When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. The Project Upland podcast is brought to you in part by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. Adventure awaits. What's up, Project Upland listeners? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode number four. We are up and running with this thing. The podcast is uh, moving forward, and so far I've been able to hit my weekly recording goal, and uh, my guest list is ever-expanding, so we've got lots of great stuff coming up for all of the listeners. So far, it's been a lot of fun for me. I get to have some interesting conversations with people 
within or at least part of sort of the upland hunting community and and the with that said the greater hunting community and it is it was one of my goals with the podcast and one of the the real interesting things for me to be able to do was to connect with these people use use the podcast as a vehicle to sort of make those connections have conversations and then share the stuff that I learn with the listeners of the Project Album podcast, which is something that I really like to do. I love to, I love to research and learn about sort of all things within within the the general sort of um, umbrella of upland hunting. Uh, it's it's obviously a huge passion of mine, and I I pursue knowledge and information through you know reading, listening to other podcasts, and obviously talking to people. And for me to be able to sort of record those conversations and share them with you, the listener, I, I, uh, I hope, I hope a lot of you enjoy them and find things helpful and, and learn things as, as I learn them. And, uh, that's one of the main goals of the Project Upland podcast. So that's what we're here to do. Um, I just got done recording the interview for this week with, uh, the guest that we we're having on. He's actually an old friend of mine. We graduated from, uh, we graduated high school together. Grew up in Duluth, Minnesota. We used to do a little bit of grouse hunting when we were uh, when we were young bucks, and uh, we haven't uh, haven't hunted together for a while. But uh, we might uh, might use this uh, connection as a as a chance to maybe get out again later this season. Uh, my buddy Jared Wickland is the product relations manager for Pheasants Forever. He's been with Pheasants Forever for about eight years, and he's held a couple of different positions. But he's a he's a very knowledgeable guy. He's really well spoken, and he has a he has a great understanding of sort of the current status of not only Pheasants Forever but the entire pheasant hunting outlook, the bigger picture. Um, you know, as he should, he works for, he works for PF, which is essentially the voice of pheasant hunting and they do a phenomenal job. I know, I know a handful of people that work there and I've interacted with a lot of them and, uh, you know, I can't really say enough good things about pheasants forever and the guys that, that I know that work there. Um, they do a phenomenal job and, and Jared is a, is a really an excellent representation of them is what I'm ultimately getting at. Uh, we had a we had a great conversation. We talked about some important issues, you know, regarding upland hunting in general and pheasant hunting, quail hunting. They're also uh, pheasants forever and quail forever are sort of the same organization, and so they they use that uh, leverage and synergy to to benefit upland hunting opportunities for both of those birds and and lots of other birds as as. Most people know if you don't, the work that, that conservation organizations do like Pheasants Forever or Rough Grouse Society, NWTF, Ducks Unlimited, all of them, the work that they do benefits so much more than the one or two birds they fly on their flag, if you will. And I, I think a lot of people understand that if, if you don't, uh, I think you'll get a sense of it through my conversation with Jared today. Um, you know, you, you really can't, 
we know that you can't be a member of every single conservation organization. So I think it's important to pick the ones that are important to you. Uh, but you can sort of take pride in knowing that whichever ones you do choose, the work that they're doing is likely helping a whole bunch of other species of birds and wildlife. And, and that's why, that's why it's important. You know, if you love, if you love this hobby, this passion that we have upland hunting, uh, the, the outdoors in general, you've got to stand up and you've got to support it. And I think Jared and I talk about that a lot in our conversation today. So, uh, before we get to the interview, I will, uh, just say a couple of things. I was out grouse hunting again last weekend. I went up to the Northern Minnesota, the same spot I was the week before, and we sort of had marginal success. Well, the woods looked a lot better this week. Uh, a lot of leaves had come down and that was very encouraging. The shooting opportunities did improve the opportunities that we did have, but I can say that the shooting opportunities did not increase in that we didn't seem to find many more birds, uh, than we had the week before. If you didn't listen to that episode, essentially I, you know, I'm in an area I'm hunting an area that has a good, healthy bird population, but we're used to a certain level of bird numbers. And, uh, we just didn't see that this year. And, and the same was true last weekend, really, really nothing changed in sort of my outlook on things. And since last week's episode, I've talked to a few more people. I had a, had a conversation earlier today with, uh, friend of mine that's been grouse hunting for a long time and he was pretty dire pretty down on things said he hasn't seen it quite like this in in a long time and and I'll I'll add sort of just a little bit of perspective there in that grouse hunting grouse and woodcock hunting for sure are always like that there's always pockets of birds and there's always areas that are better than others but you can still take you know, take people's anecdotal experiences and sort of interlace them together and sort of weave your own perspective of the season. I do think there's a little something interesting going on uh, with the rough grouse population, at least, and maybe even the woodcock population here in Minnesota. You know, we had we had some different weather this year, and the the season is. I guess with the expect expectation that was set with the drumming counts, which we talked about a little bit last week, uh, the the hunting is certainly not not turning out to be as the drumming counts may have indicated, which is always a possibility. So I'm not trying to set any false expectations here, but it's just it's very interesting to me, I guess, as a passionate grouse and woodcock hunter and upland bird hunter. It's very interesting to sort of follow along and. As we we prepared for the season, we we looked at those drumming count numbers because that's all we had, and and it's always up to the hunter to get out in the woods, lay down the boot leather, put the dogs down, and you never know what you're going to find. And so I think this year serves as a good example that you know a survey is just a survey, and nobody can really tell you exactly what's going on out in the woods every single day, except a grouse if if uh, if he could talk to you. Uh, so you know, it's part of the allure. It's part of the mystery, part of the surprise of every hunting season. And it's probably part of what keeps us coming back every year. So, uh, 
with all that said, it is October 9th today. Uh, this podcast will air later this week. It's an awesome time to be an upland bird hunter right now. I don't care what is happening out in the woods each week. I mean, I spent the last two weekends with really, really close, good friends, two of which that I, I've known them since kindergarten. And here we are. I'm 31 years old. I'm, I'm still grouse hunting, bird hunting with these guys. I mean, this is what October and fall and hunting season is really all about. I've had some phenomenal hunts this year in some phenomenal places, just some of the most beautiful wild places in northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin that you could, you know, you can't, you can't even make it up. You've got to be there to see it, believe it, to be a couple miles off of a forest road in the middle of a large, huge tract of national or state forest in, in that place and you know, to have your dog go on point, put up a bird, you shoot, maybe you get the bird, maybe you don't, but you sort of stop, take a breath, look around. I mean, wow. It's just, this is the time of year that I think a lot of us live for. And I am, I know it's going to go fast, but I am super excited for the next few weeks for sure. And, uh, you know, the rest of hunting season, it's going to be a blast. So with that said, I hope all of your hunting seasons are have been and are going as well as uh, mine has been and, and as enjoyable as as mine has been. I hope you have some trips that you've already gone on and trips that are coming up, things that you're looking forward to and excited about. And uh, don't hesitate to to uh, contact me and uh, let me know about it. Let me know how you're doing. I love to hear from from the listeners and uh, hear about your stories and your adventures. It's it's all fun for me. And, uh, and I love it. So I do, uh, I got an email address that I'm going to give out just for, I've been kind of reminding people to let us know. We want to know your feedback, your thoughts on the show, comments, suggestions, that sort of stuff. And if you want to get in touch with me about anything, be it a guest suggestion, uh, or idea, uh, anything like that, you can send me an email at Nick dot Larson. That's N I C K dot Larson L A R S O N at Northwoods collective dot com. Northwoods collective is the brand that is the overarching umbrella over project upland. Um, and so I've got an email address set up there. Feel free to contact me uh, at that email address at any time about just about anything as long as it's uh about this podcast and hunting and and all uh all of that fun stuff so uh let's go with today's interview with my old friend and hunting partner and now current public relations manager at pheasants forever jared wickland all right jared wickland welcome to the project upland podcast how are you my friend i'm good thanks for having me nick yeah, it's uh it's great to have you on and uh we're happy that you joined us. Jared Wickland is the public relations manager at Pheasants Forever. And not only is he that, he's also a 2004 graduate of Duluth East High School, which I am as well. So uh Jared Go Hounds. Yeah, go go Greyhounds. We uh we go way back, I guess is is the way that you might put it and uh Jared and I used to hunt grouse together growing up in Duluth and uh, kind of had some of the same interests. So we know each other, but uh, 
Jared is Jared has been working with Pheasants Forever now for uh, I, I will ask you how long, and then I'll just let you tell us a little bit about sort of your career with PF and sort of how you got to where you are today, Jared. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm going on eight years with Pheasants Forever, and uh, it really is a passion of love. You know, working for an organization that you know I care deeply about and focused on conservation and. Uh, a lot of the same things that Pheasants Forever does in the landscape, I, I practice in my own time. But how I got there was, it's kind of a unique deal. Uh, you know, we gra- graduated from uh, high school, as you talked about, in 04. Um, I graduated from Luther College uh, with environmental studies and exercise science, uh, double degree, I guess, in, in 08. And upon graduation, uh, two hours later, I was up in the Twin Cities. I hopped on a plane, uh, and I spent uh, about a year up in Alaska. Um, I was a wilderness guide up there for um, the Alaska Center uh, for the Wilderness, and um, it, w- it was a great, uh, great experience. Uh, wonderful being up there in Alaska. But I, I came back home. Um, I love the North Woods, and that's one of the things that kind of drew me back. And did a lot of different things uh, in my time when I was home. I, you know, I started doing some more pheasant hunting, obviously a lot of grouse hunting too. And I saw an internship with Pheasants Forever for a public relations specialist intern. Um, and when I saw that, I applied for it. Uh, I went in and, um, you know, some of your listeners on the show might know Bob St. Pierre, Anthony Houck, some of those guys uh, that are uh, pretty big in the Upland community. But I interviewed with them and uh, did an unpaid internship at Pheasants Forever for uh, almost about a year, close to it anyways. And uh, they gave me a shot to to uh, be on the team, and I actually moved down to Iowa. I've been in Iowa, uh, I started in Iowa, I guess, in 2010, and I was down there for five years as a regional rep, doing land acquisitions, working with chapters, fundraising, a lot of those things, and uh, I had 55 chapters of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever uh, in southern Iowa, and then the uh, public relations manager position opened up two years ago. And I applied for it and was able to get it, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a fairy tale ever since. I, I love my job, I love the people that I work with, and uh, just like just like you and me, everybody at the office is passionate about upland habitat conservation, whether it's uh, grasslands or forests. That's what it's all about. So that's that's where I am today. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know. Uh, I knew you had uh, you had hopped back to Minnesota after uh, your time down in Iowa, so I know that was a uh, that was a big move for you, and you're excited about that. That's awesome. And uh, I guess for those that don't know, Pheasants Forever headquarters is, I mean, do you call yourself sort of a metro Twin Cities, or do you do you, do you go decipher down and, and give, give a little back <laughs> to the, the suburb that you guys are in? You know, we, 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 we call ourselves St. Paul. We're, we're just about in White Bear Lake. It's kind of weird when you come to the office. You're, you're basically in White Bear Lake, but it's a St. Saint Paul address, and uh, you know, St. Paul, born born and raised, uh, that's where Pheasants Forever is. So Yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. Good deal. Um so do you know how many do you know how many how many people you have working there at, at headquarters in St. Paul? Uh at headquarters we have about fifty on staff and that seems to be growing just about every day. Um we've been we've been growing as an organization for quite a while. Um, particularly in, you know, the amount of revenue that we're bringing in, a lot of it through grants, uh, like, uh, you know, Minnesota legacy funds and those types of things. Um, and, uh, you know, hiring, hiring a lot of staff to work on more grants. Uh, we just hired a, a videographer, um, to help, uh, expand what we do, 
uh, on social media and, and on our website and really give people, just like Project Upland has uh, with some of their incredible videos, trying to give people uh, that shotgun, riding shotgun experience when we're out doing things like rooster road trip or uh, out doing habitat projects. Uh, we want to promote those types of things and, and uh, we're bringing in more people to do it. And then, you know, on a national scale, we've got about uh, 130 Farmville biologists on the landscape uh, who help private landowners with conservation programs, whether that's uh, state, federal, uh, or local programs. We also have regional reps, which uh, we mentioned, I mentioned I used to be. Um, we've got about uh, 12 of those on the landscape right now, and, and uh, chapters and, and regional reps seem to be growing day by day, especially on the Quail Forever side right now. So it's uh, it's kind of a kind of a wonderful thing. Cool. Yeah, that's that's excellent. It's great to it's great to see that, you know, hear about the the growth of of the organization and and sort of the support for the work that uh, Pheasants Forever does. That's excellent. You know, I mean, you know this as well as I do and and as well as probably a lot of the listeners, the state of affairs, if you will, and in, in hunting in general and and upland shooting and wing shooting, you know, it's the long-term trend is, is down and uh, mm-hmm. people, people like you, people like I, Pheasants Forever and all the great organizations that are working to change that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a constant struggle, but all of these, all of these new ideas and things that, that we can implement, be it, be it video or a podcast like this, try to, try to drum up some, some more interest and, and show people what it's all about. And I like, uh, I like how you, phrase it, you know, the, from the video approach, riding shotgun, because I think it's, it's important to really show people, you know, what that experience is like, uh, you know, what, what they can, what is out there for them, the, the availability and the opportunity that we have, you know, in a state like Minnesota and, and across the country really for when it comes to upland, upland bird hunting. I mean, the opportunities are, are almost endless. It's, it's, there's a lot there and, and if it takes uh, if it takes hiring a videographer or somebody like that to to put together a really cool video and and show people what it's all about, I mean, you know, more power to it. You know, that's 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 the kind of stuff that we got to do. I think. Yeah, you know, it, you're absolutely right. And you know, when people talk about the experience, um, we I try not to I try not to confuse people with you know the experience isn't shooting birds. The experience, as you know and all these conservation groups are working for, is, is getting out in the landscape and experiencing the public lands. And, and you pointed out, we are uh, absolutely blessed here in Minnesota to, to have um, a plethora of, of public lands to recreate on. Um, there's other states that aren't so lucky. Um, you know, we still I still had plenty of public opportunity in Iowa, but when you compare Iowa to Minnesota and the amount of public land that we have, um, it's just, it's unbelievable the difference, um, as you go state by state. And, um, they also hit on the head too, you know, introducing new people to the traditions of upland hunting. I don't care if it's pheasant or quail or rough grouse, um, whatever it might, whatever it might be, uh, waterfall hunting even. Um, the, the R3 movement, uh, to recruit, retain and reactivate. Um, is alive and well right now. There's a lot of grant money being put towards it. And, you know, we keep, keep coming back to this videographer we just hired. Part of, part of his, uh, part of his salary is going towards, uh, the R3 movement and, and helping our youth team come up with new videos that's going to inspire people to get outside and, 
Um, you know, whether that's uh, somebody we just, uh, you know, somebody who calls our office and asks, hey, can we can we take take your son or daughter out? Um, we take them out that way. Or, you know, if we get there through uh, the shooting sports that we have, especially here in Minnesota, shooting sports is just a uh, one of the fastest growing, I think the fastest growing sport, if I'm not mistaken, in the United States. Um, and, and Minnesota is no exception to that. Um, you know, introducing people to that, getting them out and, and connecting busting clays uh, to uh, wing shooting, uh, it's a wonderful thing, and we're going to continue to do to do more of it with the R3 movement and, and getting people uh, into the, the culture of upland hunting and, and uh, the conservation in general. Excellent. Yeah, uh, great point. The Minnesota State high school trap league i think they refer to it that's that's what you would call it the trap league yep. uh really uh really a really neat thing going on in minnesota right now and I, and I think elsewhere for sure but i know that the minnesota league was highlighted you know within the last couple of years and like crazy statistics something like this the state tournament for the minnesota state high school league trap uh trap team was like the largest shooting event in the country i mean yep just stuff like that and it, it's it doesn't take you know a rocket scientist to figure out you look at these kids are they're learning how to properly handle and properly use a firearm to you know essentially practice wing shooting and what are these kids going to do they're going to grow up they're going to graduate high school and they're you know they'll move on from the Minnesota State High School League trap shooting league but they have a skill set that can so easily be applied to pheasant hunting, grouse hunting, waterfowl hunting. And, you know, from there, you know, it doesn't matter which which part of hunting you get into. It's always a gateway to everything else. But it just seems like such a natural uh, movement for to get try to get some of those kids, you know, a good funnel of those kids coming from that trap shooting league and getting them out into wing shooting where they can really put those skills to test. It's something as classic and traditional as as uh, upland hunting you know it's awesome yep you're absolutely right and you know the, the trap trap shooting leagues that we have here in the state one of the cool things that pheasants forever is starting to expand on right now is uh adopt a team a, you know adopt a trap team they take them under the wing they help them out you know financially uh try try to maybe get them set up through midway usa foundation so they can be sustainable into the future and one of the one of the coolest things um that that i like about trap teams here in minnesota is that you know high schools uh even middle schools nowadays you know they're so highly competitive in sports and and one of the things is that you don't you don't have to be a, a standout athlete to be one of the best shooters in the nation um and it's it's inviting to both genders um, it's inviting to people of all shapes and sizes and ages. Um, there's a lot of younger kids coming up through the ranks now that are involved with trap shooting that maybe probably wouldn't have been um, even, you know, three, five years ago. Um, so it's it's an incredible movement. And, uh, you know, we try to take those trap teams, we take them under our wing, help them out financially, connect them to a, uh, a, youth, a youth hunt or a, a youth shooting experience, if you will, um, and then, you know, ultimately connect them to the upland world so that they can begin to make choices when they get into high school that, yes, you know, they are going to buy a license which supports conservation. They are going to get out in the landscape, and that's how we create our, our next generation of hunters. So um, you are absolutely right. Trap teams, I think, uh, are one of the keys to the future of uh, holding on and uh, creating more upland experiences here in the United States. 
Yep, yeah, I agree. I think that's awesome, and kind of we'll, we'll sort of move on from that topic. But I, I just don't think we can stress enough. I mean, the importance of the what they learn when they participate in those leagues, the safe, effective, and efficient handling of a shotgun. Yep, you know, it's such a huge like that's got to be one of the biggest barriers to entry to upland hunting. You know, if you've never handled the shotgun before, how are you going to go out and walk up on a pointing dog and with all of the excitement of the flush and everything, you know, it, the shooting has to be instinctive. So to get those kids out and, and get them repetition on the trap range and to get that instinctive shooting sort of ingrained in them, that's going to make it so much easier for the, to, for you to take that person out on a mentored hunt or, you know, whatever it may be, get them out and get them to approach that point or fall, chase, get up on the heels of that flushing dog and be able to under control, make a great shot, have success when the bird gets up. I mean, that's, that's a big, big part of it for sure. Spot on. All right. So let's, we kind of we kind of touched on sort of the surface level of some of the things that that PF is doing right now. Is there anything else that you want to mention or hit on? You know, big mission things, stuff going on, new cool stuff at Pheasants Forever. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's a, I think there's a few different things. Um, you know, you take a look at the upland forecast this year. I think it's been talked about a lot in the news um, and. One of the big things that we're taking on that we've taken on for many years, um, but probably with the, with the most emphasis we've ever have uh, is the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, and I, I can't stress enough for listeners on the podcast uh, to to go out and contact your representatives in Congress and let them know that a strong conservation title in the 2018 Farm Bill is good for habitat. It's good for upland birds. It's good for rural communities. It's good for producers. Um, and it's, it's one of the key ingredients that we need to sustain, uh, habitat, water quality, and world-class wildlife populations here in the United States. And I, I, I really can't stress that enough. The 2018 Farm Bill is extremely important for everything that we do here at Pheasants Forever as far as our habitat work is concerned. Uh, and CRP, the Conservation Reserve Program, for people that might not know what that is, it's part of the Farm Bill, and it pays uh, farmers and producers uh, a stipend to take their land out of production uh, for purposes of soil health, water quality, or wildlife habitat. Um, and right now it's at 24 million acres. Uh, it's at a modern-day low uh, as far as the amount of acres that's in the program nationwide. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. It was a short 10 years ago, uh, 2007, 2008, um, were some of the, the highest rooster harvests in the country um, was right in line with some of the most CRP we, we've had uh, ever. So Minnesota, for example, well, was at 1.8 million acres. And 10 years ago, we shot nearly 700,000 roosters in the state. Um, it, it's good for everything. And uh, that's one of the major things we're working on right now is uh, preparing to fight, fight, and win the battle for the 2018 Farm Bill uh, that's being talked about right now uh, in the halls of Congress. Excellent. Yeah, I think, you know, so much, you, you so often you hear 
about CRP when when you talk about pheasant hunting and you you touched on a lot of it. I mean, there's a there's a direct correlation there with with pheasant harvest and and CRP acres and you talk about, you know, the fact that we're at all-time lows and, you know, it's you talk when when you're looking at upland birds, it's so often it comes down to habitat. Do they have the habitat to survive, to thrive? You know, do they have the habitat to survive and thrive and are we as hunters then able to access that habitat? You know, those are the two things that are certainly necessary for upland hunting. Um, CRP at an all-time low. Do you, do you have a? Do you guys have a, a certain goal or an objective? What you'd like to see, or you know, what, what do you want to see happen with CRP other than just go up? <laughs> um, you know, to 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 put a number goal on it, uh, the number that we've thrown out and that other members, uh, you know, Colin Peterson of Minnesota and other members of Congress have thrown out is 40 million acres, and that would be uh, one of the all-time highs in the program. Try to simplify some of the programs and make them easy uh, for, for producers to get into. Um, at a minimum, we'd like to see it get back to 32 million acres, but 40, 40 million acres is our target right now. And when you look uh, at the landscape as a whole and the amount of people and the amount of contracts out there that are written up and just sitting on a shelf because we've reached the cap of 24 million acres nationwide, um, there's an unbelievable uh, amount of people that want to get into this program right now, that, that want to put the Conservation Reserve program on their property, uh, that want to enroll in the different programs uh, inside of it. And, um, you know, 40 million acres is, is really where we need to be. And like I said, it, it's, it's good for farmers and producers with the, with the current agricultural climate, and it's good for wildlife, it's good for soil quality, um, and it's the nation's largest and most successful private lands conservation program that there's ever been and uh, we need we need to do more to support it and that comes from making phone calls writing letters uh, and just overall support um, in your local communities go to farm bill listening sessions uh, go meet with your representatives tell them you want a strong farm bill because if they don't hear it um, the program's not going to get to where it needs to be so I, I can't stress that enough awesome thanks Jared yeah I mean it's I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to add any more than you already did. I mean, you heard it right from, from Jared Wickland of Pheasants Forever and, and I'll, I'll throw, uh, you know, my vote in there. I mean, we, we can't, uh, we can't, literally can't do enough to, uh, to preserve the traditions of upland hunting in this country. And, and if it takes, uh, getting up out of our chairs and making a phone call or, or whatever it is that we have to do, I mean, it's gotta be done. It's, it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite things to do. And, you know, I'm doing what I can to to help see it persist, and this podcast is one of those things. But there's always more that can be done, and you know, if you can find the time in in your day, you know, I know I would appreciate it. Jared would appreciate it, and uh, I think I think everybody else would too. So let's uh, let's keep that in mind as as we go about our day and and uh, think about what we can do to help. So that's excellent, um, Jared. I'll transition into it is October. Ninth today. I had to check my watch. Actually, you know, it's hunting season. So it's <laughs> yeah, hunting season. You can so lose I just, track I, of time. Yeah, I know it's October. <laughs> I know it's October, but I I know we're coming up on the Minnesota pheasant pheasant opener that is this Saturday, and uh, seasons have opened up in other states. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk to you this week as we as we sort of approach approach the opener here in in Minnesota. Um, 
what can you, I'm sure you've, it's been a constant topic of conversation for the last little bit at Pheasants Forever, the season forecast. Um, a lot of the numbers are out. I know roadside counts are, are down in, in certain states, but, uh, give us, give us a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of your spin on, on the upcoming season, what you, what you, you're seeing, what you know, and, uh, what you think, uh, people are going to find and, and maybe what they can do to make sure, to ensure that, that they're going to enjoy and have successful hunts. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, it, it, I, I would say challenging or maybe discouraging is a word I would use, um, about the overall forecast in the pheasant range. Um, it was kind of a perfect storm this year uh, on a number of different fronts. So we just talked about the number of CRP acres. Uh, it's at one of its lowest points in the history of the program. And when you couple that with, um, you know, looking outside of Minnesota, if you go to Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and you look at the incredible drought they just experienced over the summer months, um, you know, no, no water, no dew uh, equals no bugs um, and no basically no food for pheasant chicks to eat in their first, uh, you know, two, three months of life. They eat exclusively soft-bodied insects, and if there's no moisture on the landscape, insects are hard to come by, which has led to the decline in pheasants uh, for South Dakota this year, North Dakota, and Montana. Um, But with that being said, um, there's still a lot of pheasants out there in the landscape. Uh, Let's just go state by state. How about that? Yeah. So, the state of Minnesota, um, we're down, um, you know, I think it was 20, 29%, I think, was the was the percentage that were down in Minnesota this year. Um, and a lot of that had to do, uh, number one, we've lost plenty of habitat. Uh, and number two, we had some uh, pretty, uh, pretty heavy rainstorms early on in certain parts. Um, and probably more hail than anything, but um, to... to to repeat kind of what the DNR put out there as is, you know, maybe we're at a point where average weather, which we had, we had average weather. We had a very good winter uh, as far as pheasant survival goes. Uh, but yep. maybe maybe average weather isn't just isn't enough anymore with the habitat loss we've experienced um, to to give us a good hatch of pheasants. So even though we're down this year, um, there's still going to be some great hunting to be had. Um Southwest Minnesota, South Central to Southwest Minnesota uh, is the mainstay of the pheasant range this year as far as numbers go. Uh, but there's still plenty of opportunities. Uh, I was, in fact, I was bow, bow hunting yesterday morning and this morning at uh, my my home in Forest Lake, Minnesota. And the wildlife management area I bump up to yesterday morning, I counted seven different roosters. Um, and this morning when I was going out to pick up my father uh, from his blind, um we flushed, flushed a rooster about 10 feet in front of him that he didn't even know was there. Scared, scared the bejesus out of him. But, uh, okay. there's plenty, plenty of, uh, there's plenty of birds still on the landscape, but people are going to have to work. So, uh, you know, one of the things you can do is, uh, go on to the Minnesota DNR website. Uh, they have great maps on there of wildlife management areas and places you can go. Um, if you're looking for where habitat has been upgraded or maybe where pheasants forever has had influence, um, I've got a pretty comprehensive, uh, list, uh, you know, counties, uh, what the areas, names of the wildlife management areas, the waterfall production areas where we've actually gone out and actually, uh, you know, done the upgrades on these properties. So if people are looking for, uh, places with diverse habitat, don't quite know where to go, 
uh, I would highly recommend giving us a call at Pheasants Forever. Ask for Jared Wicklin, and I'm more than happy to help you out. So using the Pheasant Prospect map, uh, using the DNR maps, calling Pheasants Forever, uh, and, you know, it could be a late harvest this year. We got uh, a lot of a lot of rain uh, late in the season here, uh, plus the fact that the weather uh, hasn't been real steamy about the last month or so, um, which for corn production, it's going to set corn back. It's not going to have enough time to dry. So I'm predicting more of a, a later harvest. And, you know, people, a lot of the pheasants are going to be in the corn here, especially for opening weekend. So it'll be interesting to hear some of the reports. Um, but as the season carries on and you get into December where it turns to a three bird limit, um, I really suggest people, people get out later on in the year. Um, if you, there's number one, there's less people. The birds are more concentrated on food sources and in good cover. Um, and, uh, it's easier on your dog too, because it's not so hot outside. So, um, you know, for Minnesota, I think that's a pretty good overview. Uh, if you're, you know, a lot of people think you have to go to the south, southwest, which, really isn't always true. Um, I had a lot of good luck by Hinkley last year. There's a lot of public land around there that actually holds quite a few roosters. Um, and that's one area of the state where you can go and do a, a rooster, uh, pheasant, you know, or a, sorry, excuse me, a pheasant, uh, rough grouse, uh, you know, sharp tail combo hunt, um, which is, which is pretty neat. There's not a lot of areas in the country you can do that. So, um, but by all means, give us a call at Pheasants Forever, and we'll, we'll help put you on the map here in Minnesota. Um, South Dakota uh, was down quite a bit this year, and that was no surprise. They had a pretty tough winter, um, especially in the northern part of the state. And then when you add in the severe drought they experienced this summer uh, and no soft-bodied insects on the landscape, uh, your, your pheasant broods are going to suffer. So... Uh, they were down quite a bit. North Dakota down quite a bit as well. Uh, but you know, the, the cool thing about South Dakota is that even, even though they're down about 50%, um, from last year's brood survey, uh, they still have the largest pheasant population in the world. And anywhere where you can find pockets of good habitat, you're going to run into birds. You're going to find some young birds. There's going to be a lot of adult birds this year, a lot of carryover from last year, uh, especially probably in the central part of the state where they didn't see any of that much of the snow um, and uh, you know focusing on on pockets of good habitat and I, I really urge people to get out there and look at the brood surveys uh, you can find them on our website uh, under the pheasant hunting forecast um, and uh, it'll kind of lay out the best areas to go to but uh, you know focusing on some of those in between areas maybe not the, the highest brood counts but maybe not the lowest roadside counts either um, will uh, be a recipe for success. Um, and then let's let's briefly drop uh, to some of the southern states. You look at Iowa, um, where I spent a lot of time. I have a lot of friends down there. Their roadside counts were thrown off by uh, no dew on the landscape when they were running roadside counts in August. So uh, talking to the upland game biologists down there, talking to our staff, talking to uh, friends down there, a lot of them who own land, there's a lot of pheasants in Iowa this year. So uh, people are looking to take a road trip. Um, they also are experiencing probably a 30-year high for their quail population. South-central Iowa is a pretty cool area because you can get into both uh, pheasant and quail. So I would highly recommend that. But uh, the whole state of Iowa, you're going to get into pheasants wherever you go. Um, but there's great opportunities in the northwest and in the central portions this year around Des Moines and uh, kind of southeast of there. Uh, Nebraska is, is still going to be pretty good. 
uh, even though some of their counts were down, especially in the Northeast. Um, I hunted Southwest Nebraska for the rooster road trip last year, and there were some fields where we were flushing 100 birds per field, uh, plus the fact that their quail population is booming right now uh, in the Southwest. Um, so highly recommend that. Kansas is up across the board, pheasant and quail. Um, it'd be a great combo hunt this year uh, if you're looking to get out. So um, that's just a, kind of a little overview of the forecast. But I think, you know, just like anything, it's going to be the amount of boot leather you put in, the amount of personal grit you put in, uh, you know, doing your homework and researching some of the areas where the bird counts are, um, you know, calling pheasants forever. You can get some information on our website. We have the most comprehensive pheasant and uh, and on the quail forever side, pheasant and quail hunting forecasts in the nation. Uh, they are done after the brood surveys are conducted in August and September. And uh, anybody that's looking for uh, hot information, I guess, on where to go, um, the, the pheasant hunting forecast on pheasantsforever.org and the quail hunting forecast on quailforever.org is your best resource uh, for hunting those particular upland game birds. We also have a prairie grouse primer. If you like hunting sharp tails, uh, Hungarian partridge, prairie chickens, we also have a prairie grouse primer uh, that is excellent as far as the forecast is concerned. Fantastic, Jared. That was a comprehensive breakdown forecast of uh, of what what folks and listeners can expect coming up here. That's awesome. Great information. I mean, you touched on so many so many great points. Really, you know, as an upland hunter, I don't think I don't think there's too many upland hunters that do it because it's easy. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, we always want there to be more birds, and we're always going to talk about. <laughs> The preseason forecast, whether it be pheasant roadside counts or the spring drumming counts with rough grouse, we always talk about that because we're so excited and it is something to talk about. Yep. But at the end of, end of the day, just go hunt, right? I mean, yep. unless unless you're somebody that is really like, if you're, I hear about it. I don't know how much it really exists, but I hear about people that look at you know the rough grouse drumming counts and if they're at a certain level, they say, oh, I'm not going to grouse hunt. Well. For me, that's that's never going to happen unless something drastically changes in my life. I'm, I'm going I guarantee it won't happen to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going grouse hunting either way. And you know what? If it's a tough year, it makes you appreciate the big years. It makes you appreciate those up years. And every bird, every bird that you're fortunate to flush and and put in your game bag is is that much sweeter. And you know. We talk about the experience so much when it comes to upland bird hunting because that's what it is. And you can, you can overlay that to hunting in general. The, the price per pound of, that we're paying for <laughs> that, those pheasant breasts or the rough grouse breasts is astronomical <laughs> compared to what you can do in the grocery store. And you know, I think most, most listeners in this show are probably in tune with the fact that, that, you know, we don't do it because, because it's easy. We do it because we love it. And, and, you know that's just that's just part of the game. There's ups and downs in in bird populations as as there is with with the people in the woods and in the fields, and that's just the way it is every year. It's all about passion. You're absolutely correct. It's about conservation. Um, you know, even in a down year, I'm still buying all the licenses I can. I'm still buying my duck stamp. Um, I'm still buying any type of license out there that I think can help me. Uh, find more birds, put my dog on birds. If I take my daughter with, I'd like her to try to experience it as well. But it's about getting out, 
uh, it's about getting out on the landscape. It's about the traditions. It's about the dogs. It's not about what you harvest. Sure, it's great to see things, but you're absolutely right. I, I get people that call our office and say, well, I'm thinking about not, I'm thinking about not going this year. What do you think about that? And I say, well, the birds are there. Are you? <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. just kind of pulls it to pulls it to them that way. And if 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 you don't get out, if you don't buy a license, um, you know, number one, you aren't going to see any birds on the couch. And number two, um, if you want to help uh, contribute to more public access, to more habitat upgrades, uh, you know, to more more places to go, um, you know, I urge people get out there, buy your licenses. If you're, you know, for if you're a pheasant hunter. I don't, I don't, it may not uh, convert over to grouse hunting, but if you're a pheasant hunter, you know, one of the number one things you can do besides buy your, your upland hunting license and your pheasant stamp is buy a duck stamp. You know, you might not be a duck hunter, but I guarantee that you're hunting those waterfall production areas that are paid for with duck stamp dollars. Buy a duck stamp, help put more habitat on the landscape. That's what it's all about. And, and by all means, whether it's pheasants forever, rough grouse society, uh, Ducks Unlimited, Quail Forever, um, whatever you're into, support support those organizations that are supporting you. Um, and I don't say that just just because I work for Pheasants Forever and, and I'm evol- involved in the conservation scene. Um, I'm saying that from uh, the perspective that I, I'm involved with my local chapters. Um, I'm a life member of each one of these groups. And I've I've seen what my dollars have done. Um, to put habitat in the landscape and create more public access. So, uh, you know, getting involved on multiple fronts, whether it's licenses or being part of your favorite uh, upland hunting organization or habitat conservation group, um, I, I just can't stress that enough. You need, need to get out there. We need more support across the board. And uh, it's, it's hunters that are carrying the ball uh, and uh, providing, providing the big bucks to make sure that uh, all these other groups, you know, uh, bird watchers, uh, hikers, uh, bike riders, whatever it might be, it's on the back of hunters right now to support those places that those people love to go. So um, I, I'm not shy about saying that, and uh, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I buy licenses that help support those things. And the more we can do to, to get more people to, to understand that, the relevance of buying licenses and, and, you know, buying ammunition and those types of things, the better off we're all going to be and the more places we're going to have to go for public access. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, there's there's a reason that states, I know Minnesota does it, I'm sure a whole bunch of other ones do, you know, they, they survey the the small game hunters every year and you know they they're tracking those licenses and they're monitoring the the end users the people that are taking to the field buying the licenses getting out there using the resources and that ultimately determines you know what kind of grants and funds are going to get partitioned to where and so if you want to be represented uh, and supported in your passions and your pursuits you have to take a stand you've got to stand up raise your hand Join, you know, buy the license, join the organization. And the other thing is, you know, it could be, it can always be easy to say, well, what is my $35 membership at Pheasants Forever going to do? You know, again, it's just like voting. If everybody, if everybody said that Pheasants Forever wouldn't exist, but if everybody, if everybody did sign up to be a member, 
the more members that Pheasants Forever has, the more weight they have when they go to the table, you know, the legislation tables, and and they're lobbying for this stuff. Yeah, become a part. You become a part of a community, and you you really change the way that PF can advocate for its members. You know, the bigger the bigger the the following or membership that you have, and it's the same with RGS and and NWTF, Ducks Unlimited, all all the great conservation organizations. They need you. They they need the support. Yep. And, you know, another point on that, too, is that, you know, I think some people out there think when they buy a membership, I don't care if it's Pheasants Forever, Rough Grouse Society, whoever it might be, you know, they, they wonder where their member dollars go. Well, I challenge people and I also encourage people to, and your listeners, to, to log online. Uh, go look at our annual report for Pheasants Forever. See the work that we're doing. You know, uh, for, you probably have a lot of listeners right here in Minnesota um, last year alone, Pheasants Forever put just shy of 6,000 acres of public habitat uh, into the into the hands uh, of of resident and non-resident hunters uh, in Minnesota. So I think that's a beautiful thing, and that just kind of speaks to our model. You know, 91 cents of every dollar goes back towards habitat, and uh, you know that's why we encourage people to to support those who support you and we do it through uh, public land purchases and and habitat improvements and lobbying for more CRP and the more people that we have you just you just spelled it out there in your last segment Um, the more people we have the more influence we have in the halls of congress in our state legislators legislatures excuse me and uh, we can do great things for conservation when we're when we're all uh rowing the boat in the same direction, if you don't mind me using that. Uh, yeah, a little Minnesota reference. I like it. Let's go, golfers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's, that's uh, again, I, I will uh, I will add my my uh, second on that, the annual report, the annual report of, of just about any conservation organization. I know from, from working with one and, and being a member of a bunch of other ones, the conservation organizations they put a ton of effort into those annual reports because number one uh they have to compile pile that information and put it together but they want it to be easy for the end user the member the potential member to see the work that they're doing and you know I think most of them do a really good job and it it just gives you a really great understanding of of where the dollars go how they're being used you know and what what might be able to happen if you sign up as a member and uh, and, and join that cause. So that uh, that's an important thing to keep in mind, and it's a great way to learn a lot about a conservation organization for sure. Yes, sir. Um, all right, let's uh, transition a little bit. Are you going to be pheasant hunting on Saturday? <laughs> that's a big question of the day. Uh, to, <laughs> to be to be honest. Uh, I am not, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blame this one on my wife. So I hope she's listening. All right, all right. I hope she's listening <laughs> to the podcast. She's scheduled uh, in in uh, Ashland, Wisconsin. I'll actually be up in Duluth this weekend if you're around. Uh, okay. In a- Ashland, Wisconsin, she's scheduled a half marathon with the rest of her family. Um, I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a 5K guy myself. So <laughs> I, I uh, I'm gonna be watching the kids, but. She's going to be running the half marathon. I'm, I'm hoping to maybe get out and do a little grouse hunting when I'm up there. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that by by the time we get back uh, on Sunday, maybe I could make it out uh, for an hour in the afternoon on my own property. The, the birds have really been using uh, my grass and food plots lately, and that's just going to... 
that's just going to get better with time here as uh, as the public land starts to starts to get used quite a bit by pheasant hunters. So um, I am not going to be out, uh, but I, I'm looking forward to going the week after. Cool. All right. Well, you're you're off the hook. I I, uh, I know how that goes. We've all got we've all got things to do, and and we've all got got people in our lives that that try to schedule things in October, even though uh, we might not always always want Here, it that way. Here's here's a cool piece for you though. Um, we're gonna have probably five or six of our staff members are gonna be down at the Minnesota Governor's Pheasant Opener, uh, which ah. is in Marshall this year. And uh, one of the cool things we're doing down there this year is the chapter. Uh, is doing a memorial for the James Meager Wildlife Management Area. And I know as a rough grouse guy, I know you know who James Meager is. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who James Meager is, but he's one of the most incredible wildlife uh, artists that we've had in the United States, focused exclusively on wildlife of all types. Um, his paintings are incredible. And uh, James Meager passed away from cancer. I believe it was in... Uh, 14, the fall of 14, I believe, uh, either out of fall of 13. But uh, we're doing a dedication to James Meager Wildlife Management Area. I believe it's, uh, I think it's 160 acres, um, and it's uh, just outside of, of the Marshall area. And uh, it's going to be an incredible dedication. If, if you want to see an excellent piece of wildlife habitat that has birds on it, that's open for public recreation in the name of a man that donated uh, a lot of, of money and, and time and resources back to conservation. Um, James Meeker Wildlife Management Area is going to be dedicated on Friday the 13th uh, before the season opens up. So I encourage listeners, if you live down that way, go on over and check it out. I'll be sending out a, um, a media advisory about it so you know how to get there. Awesome. Cool. That's excellent. Yeah, so pheasant season opening up here in Minnesota uh, this weekend. That uh, that's always an exciting time. I know it's you know mid October. This is this is it right now for for wing shooters in 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 Minnesota and and you know a lot of the states that are that are run on similar seasons. You know we're midway through. Um, well, I guess you I, I call it you know sort of mid season for for rough grouse and woodcock hunting in in the northern portions of the state and. Yep. Uh, you get pheasant opening up, and the the weather finally cools down a little bit, and you get those beautiful, comfortable days with with cool, crisp mornings. Um, this is what I know you and I both live year round for, man. This is uh this is a fun time of year. Frosty frosty grass uh, with the light bouncing off of it from the sun and a dog running through it. I don't think there's anything better <laughs> better imagery than pheasant country or or grouse country. Um, uh, in your case, and, and, uh, you know, Minnesota opens on the 14th. You got South Dakota on the 21st. You've got, uh, Iowa on the 28th. Uh, and then the next weekend after November is Kansas. Um, but like I said, there's op, there's opportunities, uh, you know, amongst the, the bad roadside reports that we got this year. There's still plenty of opportunities out there. Focus on the great habitat. And, uh, I, I can tell you, I, I feel, I feel probably three, three to five calls a day at the office for people, you know, where do I go this year? Um, I'm getting excited for pheasant season. I'm getting excited for quail season. Can you put me on the X? Well, I can't always put everybody on the X. Um, yeah. but I will do my best and pheasants forever will do its best to give you all the information you need 
uh, to have a successful hunt, but you're going to have a fun hunt on public land uh, that Pheasants Forever has contributed to, that our members have contributed to, and, you know, just how you put it, there, there's no better time of year. This is this is what people live for all year long. This is what people uh, train their dogs for and, and go to the trap range for to prepare, and uh, I just can't say enough good things about pheasant season. I, I, everybody in the office is excited to get out, and some of our guys are on rooster road trip right now, um, kind of doing an online digital series about public lands and the island mountain ranges of Montana. And uh, my, my good friend Logan Hinners, our graphic designer, shot his first rooster of the year uh, this morning uh, on the first day of the trip. So fun to watch if, if you're looking to get excited for the season. Uh, roosterroadtrip.org uh, or look Pheasants Forever up on Facebook. It's uh, a lot of giveaways all week and, and, and just highlighting uh, the immense amount of public land, habitat, and, and acquisitions that we've contributed to and that our members have contributed to uh, since 1982, so it's a pretty cool deal. Awesome! I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you brought up Rooster Road Trip because we uh, we've been talking about all kinds of stuff, but we didn't mention that yet. That's always one of my sort of favorite uh, favorite parts of the year for when it comes to me being a member of Pheasants Forever and following along. I love love the Rooster Road Trip. Love uh, love the stuff that that the guys put out uh, from the road videos and the recaps and. You know, I just the the whole idea behind it is is fantastic. Going out and hunting public land, and you know, obviously highlighting some of the some of the project areas that PF has worked on, but really showing people how sort of that DIY approach to wing shooting you can go and you can do it, and and that's that's really really what it's about. And you know, use those resources to your advantage. Use use pheasants forever to your advantage to to narrow your search, find find the places to focus on. And uh, Rooster Road Trip does a phenomenal job of highlighting that. No, thank. We certainly certainly appreciate um, you know the comments on that, and it, it it really is a fun trip. I went on it last year. Um, we, last year we went to Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, and Kansas. It was a, a mixed bag. Uh, Upland Nation. It was a mixed bag adventure, and uh, we were shooting uh, pheasants and quail, and a lot of pheasants in Nebraska when we got up there. It was <laughs> it was unbelievable. We hit a hit a snowstorm the last day, and and the pheasants were just packed packed into the habitat, and we really got into them. But but for this year, it's called bucket list bird hunts, and there is no other bucket list bird hunt in the nation that people want to go on more. Uh, than a trip to Montana. They're hunting pheasants, they're hunting sharptails, and they're hunting Hungarian partridge uh, in the island mountain ranges of central Montana. Um, you know, I think one of the areas they're focusing on today is called Coffee Creek. It's just a huge, uh, humongous walking area, public land that Pheasants Forever uh, helped purchase. Um, it was a while ago now, probably 10, 12 years ago. Um, but just a, just a massive expanse uh, of upland habitat. Uh, a lot of all those three different species are on there, and you know you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. They're showing you that you know if you're an upland bird hunter from Minnesota or wherever you might be from, any corner of the United States, if you want to go on a bucket list bird hunt, number one, you don't have to you don't have to pay thousands of dollars to do it. Number two, you can do it on all public land. Um, and, and the third part about Rooster Road Trip is that we give you the resources to do so. We talk about it uh, throughout the week and all the different resources that we use to, to plan the trip. Uh, the guys are hunting uh, all public land all week long. And 
the cool thing about it is, is that it is available to every upland hunter in the nation. Um, doesn't matter where you're from. Uh, and as Pheasants Forever members, we're trying to highlight areas uh, that we've contributed to, that the organization has contributed uh, to, um, you know, through through member dollars, through through habitat projects or, or advocacy efforts. So it's a it's a cool deal. Roosterroadtrip.org or, or check us out on Facebook uh, at Pheasants Forever. Um, it's a really neat trip and it, it highlights everything that Pheasants Forever stands for uh, as an organization. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you guys should should uh, shout that one out and and let it be known because uh, that's that's what you'll be doing a lot and uh, it's it's fantastic to see. So, uh, rooster road trip going on right now. People can check that out. Uh, I know we're getting short on time. I wanted to. I got to ask you a couple of things. What kind of dogs are you hunting with, Jared? I've got uh, I've got a pointing lab named Coda, uh, black. I guess you can call her Labrador Retriever. I don't think there's many people out there that refer to pointing labs, but she does point, and I love hunting behind her because she's kind of the best of both worlds. And then uh, I also uh, have Jackson. Uh, I kind of adopted him from my dad since they're in retirement phase now, and, and moved down to Tucson, Arizona, which he should bring the dog down there because there's a lot of quail this year, but. Yeah, uh, I, I adopted Jackson. Uh, he is an English pointer, um, and he is just all natural, and, and uh, he loves to get in the woods and get after it. We had a spectacular rough grouse hunt uh, a couple days ago, and uh, he's really coming along. He's in his fifth year. Coda is seven, and uh, I also I shoot a I shoot a Ruger Red Label. It's kind of my my go to upland gun, and. Uh, that uh, those three things, that combination of things, has has been good to me over the years, and I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's good to me this year too. We'll see. It, st- it started off well in the grouse woods, so excellent. Uh, yeah, my next question was going to be what what uh, what kind of gun are you carrying? You know, on a on your average day, so Ruger Red Label, phenomenal little over under. I shot a 28 gauge uh, Red Label for a little while and loved it. I was actually I had just borrowed it from. Uh, from kind of an old hunting mentor of mine, but I I have a sort of a soft spot for those because it's a nice. great little gun. What what gauge is yours? Um, I shoot a I shoot a twelve. Uh, I really, as far as the loads go, I, I neck it down quite a bit when I'm hunting grouse because sure. I don't want to don't want to tear them up. But um, you know, for for pheasants, I shoot uh, a twelve gauge uh, with with number five steel. Uh, I usually use Prairie Storm because. Um, Every box of Prairie Storm that I buy contributes to the organization through federal premium ammunition. Um, and wonderful partner. We'll give them a shout out. Uh, they're one yep, of another Minnesota company. Yeah, another Minnesota company, one of the longest running national sponsors that we have. Um, so I shoot I shoot Prairie Storm. I, I love the stuff and it uh, it does a nice job on uh, on rooster pheasants. Phenomenal. Um do you have any uh, upland hunting trips, you know, big trips planned this year coming up? Um, I do on, on multiple fronts, I guess. I've got, uh, I'm headed up to Leech Lake for, uh, um, we've got a trip up there for Pheasants Forever members. It's, it's a preserve hunt for pheasant, but, uh, you can hunt rough grouse as well and do some, do some walleye fishing. Um, I'm hosting that for a weekend coming up here on the 19th. Um, we've also got, um, I'm doing a media hunt in South Dakota this year. Uh, the weekend or the week of December 12th. Um, so I will be doing that, uh, with my dogs and uh, inviting writers out to talk about why habitat is important, especially in a big drought year. And, uh, 
Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic in 2018 is going to be in Sioux Falls, so we'll be highlighting that while I'm out there and uh, might be going to Alabama for a quail hunt this year as well. And uh, that's what I have on the docket so far. Oh, and we're going to be, be filming an episode of The Flush uh, quail hunting in uh, pheasant and quail hunting in southern Iowa this year, so people can be on the lookout for that on the Outdoor Channel. Nice, excellent, yeah. excellent. Yep. Well, yeah, it's great. Great to have those trips on trips on the calendar. I know my calendar's uh, my calendar, as you would expect, is is very full uh, through the month of October, and then I will get out and uh, do a little bit of uh, deer hunting. But after that, it's kind of open, so. We uh we might have to connect a little bit for maybe a late season uh pheasant hunt. Uh yeah, maybe I let's, could let's buzz, do it. buzz down your way or something and uh it'd yep. be fun. I have never actually never actually gone out pheasant hunting. It sounds crazy for as much of an upland hunter as I am, but I uh I, I haven't strayed too far from the Northwoods, but I've got uh my bucket list is growing and uh Montana's one of them and uh getting into a little bit different kind of kind of wing shooting and upland hunting is is another one, so we'll have to keep in touch. Yeah, you come on down. We'll we'll put you up in Forest Lake and take you out in the back forty. It's pretty good stuff back there. So that sounds good to me, buddy. Well, hey, it was great to uh, chat with you. Um, you know, as a as a fellow uh, Duluth East alum, great to catch up. But also you uh, as well. As, yeah, also as a public relations manager for PF, super thankful to have you on the uh, Project Upland podcast. I think we. It was a good conversation, and hopefully there's a lot there for our listeners to chew on. Um, you uh, you mentioned mentioned this, a few different ways to get a hold of you, and I know you're more than happy to to field phone calls or emails from people. So yes, sir. Uh, don't hesitate to contact Jared if you've got questions on anything we talked about, that sort of thing. Uh, Jared, that's all I got for you. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Nick, and thanks to Project Upland for all you guys do. You're supporting supporting Upland traditions going into the future here, and Pheasants Forever can continue to do its part to uh, uphold those traditions and, and with wildlife habitat and conservation. So thanks again, and I hope you have a good night. All right. Thanks, Jared. Have a great hunting season. You too. See ya. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.